Bitcoin and things like it is the equivalent of the red pill. This is a technology, it's a computing language, and I can build an app on it. Is Bitcoin the currency of the future? Crypto gang, crypto What's going on, guys? Naeem Alabadi here. I am with the CEO and founder of Paragon, which is an amazing cannabis and blockchain company in the sphere. Yeah. I'm here with Jessica Versteg. Correct. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Likewise, thank you. I can't wait to uh, dive into your story and what brought you to where you're at right now and a little bit about your company and how you're really incorporating the cannabis industry with the blockchain, you know, because that's something that's so necessary. Two huge industries and two industries that in the next five to 10 years, in my opinion, are going to blow up. So you're in the right space at the right time. Um, so I know with Paragon, you pretty much have a seed to sell process of, you know, logging everything and putting on a blockchain, but can we first start with your story as a woman boss and <laughs> as a CEO, you know, what brought you to where you're at right now? Yeah, well, I definitely think being a female in this space is a little harder than being a man because we really have to fight. It's unfair, but we have to fight to prove that we have a brain and it's not just a face and I don't think men have to fight that same fight. So that alone is a story. But um, how I got into this space uh, was kind of a, a sad way to enter any space, but unfortunately it, I'm not the only one that has similar stories to this uh, for entering the cannabis industry. Long story short though, I was in love with a guy that I grew up with in Iowa and we started dating. We had been together for a few years and the NFL had just kept pumping him with pills like they do all NFL players, oh your shoulder hurts, take these pills, get through the game, oh you need an ankle surgery, take all of these pills until the end of the season and we'll pay extra for your surgery. Like, They do anything to keep these players going and acting like show dogs basically and if that means pumping them with opiates they will. Unfortunately these boys are doing this for themselves and for their families and their futures and to get themselves out of maybe something that they were in before to help get them to the next place. So they listen to these NFL doctors, they trust them. We, in America, you grow up trusting doctors. So if a doctor says, take 30 pills today, you're gonna take it. Um, and the sad story is, is when they get cut from the NFL like he did for too many concussions or whatever reasons other players get cut, they no longer have access to all of these pills and it's a harsh reality to face when you go to a normal doctor and you say, hey, I was taking like 30, 40 pills a day, can you hook me up? Wow. And that doctor says that, wow, what? No, it's not normal, it's not okay, uh, and I can't prescribe that. But in the NFL, they have like these vending machines, you just twist it and it fills it up in the a uh, little bottle. Are you serious? He would bring them home. And all this is legal and allowed? I don't know. It seems like it shouldn't be, but it's happening. And I, I mean, if it, if it's not legal and I'm the one to say what's happening for the first time ever, then I'd be so surprised. Be yeah. yeah, so be it. But no, this has been happening and everyone knows it. It's just that we didn't know it, him and I, because we didn't know how bad it was. We were young in our early 20s. And you think that the NFL is this huge organization. And when they tell you something or they give you something, you go with it. So when he couldn't have access, when he didn't have access to these pills anymore, he started buying from random dealers or training younger guys coming out of high school, going to college or going to college, 
getting into the NFL and he knew that they were also had access to these pills so he'd trade them for free in exchange for pills um, in the end he overdosed. And that's a huge crisis I mean the opioid crisis in the United States is not just the NFL it's just a worldwide epidemic. Oh uh, yeah worldwide but really a lot in the US which is shocking you wow. would think the US takes care of their people more than that um, but for some reason they want to push opiates over marijuana I don't really know why anyways um, unfortunately he passed away um, from an overdose of these painkillers and when that happened I really dug into alternatives for painkillers what could he take a lot of for pain without overdosing and everything I kept looking up kept coming back to marijuana, 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 over and over, article after article. And it hit me hard because one thing he said to me early on is he said, Jess, can I smoke weed with the other guys on the team for my pain? And I said, no, it is so illegal. It's a bad drug. The NFL doesn't allow it. I had a list of reasons and I said, and I hate that I said this, I said, trust the NFL doctors. They know what they're doing, and they, they didn't. didn't. They didn't, and I didn't. I shouldn't have given him that advice, but I did, um, and I regretted it. And we were young, um, and the NFL didn't want to help anyone. So, and at the I, time, it looks like something that was the right thing to do, but in hindsight, you yeah. realize that it's all just a system. That it's a system. Is it really is a system. So. I decided I didn't care about an image, I didn't care if anyone went after me, I didn't care if people thought I was a pothead, I didn't care. I cared more about saving somebody else's life and not having parents having to bury their child because of opiates or not having partners like me live with that guilt of knowing. He once asked if he could smoke weed instead of pills and I said no, take the pills and now he's gone and you have to live with that for the rest of your life. So I decided. If I'm going to live with that for the rest of my life, I need to make sure that nobody else has to because I think it's a hard thing to not want to take your own life when you know that you played into this in a way, even though it's not, I know now it's not my fault. Um, I still blame the NFL and, and opiates, but it would be my fault if I didn't do anything about it. So now I decided to get into the cannabis industry and the way I got into it was the only way I really knew at the moment because cannabis was still new to me. So I thought, if I can just create something that makes people feel comfortable using this. So I um, am a huge fan of like girly products and monthly subscriptions. So I created this monthly subscription for medical marijuana and I would deliver these boxes to patients in San Francisco and it was a curated box. And it was going great. It was well. Everyone loved it. It was kind of designed like the Chanel box. You open it and it feels like you're getting an amazing product. Everything came with the lab results. Um, it gave instructions for how to use everything. Told you not to drive. You know, it let them feel safe using this in their own home. And Problem, how many years after that was when they made it legal in California? Uh, well, when I was running that company, it was still only medicinal. Okay. It hadn't become legal yet at all, and I ended up pausing that company though, it was called AUBOX, because as I said earlier, all of the boxes I would give out also had lab results. But I found out that some of those lab results were photoshopped, and that is so dangerous, even on a recreational level, but back then it was medicinal, and I knew I had patients, little kids with epilepsy, I knew I had older people with Parkinson's, I knew I had recovering cancer, cancer patients. 
I knew I had real people taking this, and it's important that it's organic. It's important that it's really CBD, and it scared the living hell out of me to know that I could keep making money off of just saying, oh, I trust the lab results and that's it. And that's what other people I realized were doing. They're just saying, oh, all responsibilities on the lab result. Not realizing actually the responsibilities on us. We need to be the ones to say, hey, this isn't a real lab result. What are we going to do? So I started tracking it internally. There was no UI UX. There was no, there were no smart System. contracts. There was nothing. I just created my own blockchain that I would track uh, the supplier, the lab results, and if I was lucky enough to get a hold of the farmer. And I started tracking this internally. And then one day I realized what I'm building, I could actually just redesign with some good interface. Because the blockchain is just a database. Yeah, you yeah. You created your own database. Yes, and I knew if I kind of designed it to make it easy for others to use, I could just give this to the whole cannabis space and everyone can track cannabis from seed to sell. And there we go. And there's a huge issue with pesticides oh, being yeah. used on cannabis. And oh yeah, there's a huge issue, especially if you have a compromised immune system, you've got cannabis covered in pesticides, That's you're lighting this up, it's turning to carcinogenic, so now you've got cancer and here you were thinking that you were doing something good and natural for your body and it, it, it wasn't. So it's How important. much of the cannabis out there, let's just say in the state of California, would you say is safe versus unsafe? Well, that's a good just as a, I should just look as into a it. thought. Like, I don't know. From your experience. Would you say that it's more than 20%? Unsafe, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I would say that. And it would make sense because nobody's tracking these growers. And if you have a whole room full of plants and you have bugs on your plants and you know that this is millions of dollars worth of revenue, yeah. you're not even going to think twice to go ahead and start spraying these plants yeah. knowing that nobody's going to find out. Yeah. Wow. Or that you could just test it and alter these lab results in Photoshop. Because it's not on blockchain, it's a piece of paper. So it's a huge issue. Yeah. And wow. if, you, if you've got a company with a good developer, you can even make a fake lab website. Maybe it's called, I don't know, Orange Labs, spelt with an S, and you make it with Orange Labs, spelt with a Z, and it's got the, you scan a QR code from this piece of paper you gave someone, and they think that they got on Orange Labs' website, and you see the, the test results there. It didn't happen to me actually with my, I scanned it and I thought I was reading the right website and it actually wasn't. I didn't find out until months later when I went back um, to, to do my market research on labs. Um, and, and I actually I was scammed out that way with a fake lab result, even online. So it's pretty dangerous, but I think as time goes on, farmers will realize that this is the only way to sell is having organic and good product, but it's easy to, if you want to get bugs away, I'm not a farmer, I don't know, but there's many other types of pesticides, I guess, that you could use, like cayenne pepper. You can sprinkle this around the plants and it takes away some bugs or release ladybugs and they eat other bugs. You know, there's, there's natural ways to do this. It is a little more time consuming, um, but in the end, that's what, what we're going to have to have. Wow, amazing. So now that we know how your company started and a little bit about your story, you know, and when did you start Paragon? I mean, it's always a tricky that... question because I think I started Paragon while I was still running AU Box. I just didn't Is that know. Is was still running? No, I paused it. Nice. I just didn't know I was creating Paragon while doing that, but announcing Paragon, it's been about a year now. Yeah, it was steps that led yeah. to something. And so now, so far on your journey, like 
entering this really, you know, uh, interesting field. I'm sure there's a lot of regulations, a lot of laws that have to be, you know, uh, you know, kept in mind when performing these business practices. What have you found as the biggest challenges so far, you know, um, throughout this journey of yours? Biggest challenge, I would say, is. Um, there's a few different challenges, you know, uh, at first I faced kind of a few growers saying, I don't want the government to know what I'm doing. I'm happy with, with how it's going. And I'd say, yeah, red but, flag. Yeah, red flag. But I would tell them, well, you said you have a license, so they kind of already know. And technically, if you have this license, you're supposed to be doing seed to sell tracking anyways. And they said, yeah, but I'm happy with the way that it is. That tells me that they're happy and they don't want government to know what they're doing because they know it's a system that they can edit and manipulate and change to work for them, which in turn keeps the cannabis industry illegal, which in turn keeps them stressed. And it's this evil circle because the government doesn't want to federally regulate something that they can't control. So I have to explain to them, look, if you're able to say, dear government, I have X amount of square footage that I'm growing, and or acres whatever it is and in california we've had all these wildfires half of my crop burnt in that fire so i'm only going to pay taxes on half right now the government will say sorry we don't know if that's true or not uh you could have sold it on the dark web so you got to pay taxes on all of it and then that farmer has to pay taxes and then he now grows next year's crop a little bit bigger and does sell some of it on the dark web to make up for what he didn't sell. But now with blockchain, if this fire comes, you can get the fire department to sign off on their smart contract saying how many square footage or acres or whatever it was you lost in this fire. Um, you can have a lab result say yes this uh, plant was damaged with smoke or whatever it is it was burnt you can't sell it you can have different smart contracts to show to the government and say we didn't say this we didn't make it up it's proven here it is and now the government can say okay fair we'll tax you only on what you've sold because we see you only sold this there's no way in hell anyone's going to sell moldy weed or fire weed on the dark web because dark web is actually safe in a way because there's ratings Absolutely. I hate to say that, not that I would know how to buy drugs yeah. there, but... <laughs> well, you know, that's a lot of where cryptocurrencies started, you know, it is. on the dark web. And I hate that it got a bad name for that, but in some ways, I like the... On the dark web, if you want to buy something, you and you do your research and you want to read the reviews, you can. And there are lab results and you see other people's reviews and if somebody has hundreds of reviews, uh, you know that this is a trustable source in a way, but if you're putting this now on blockchain and you see these reviews and you see the lab results, it's even more trusted and it's public. You don't have to go to the dark web to find it. It's out there. Absolutely. And what about the regulatory side with governments? I mean, what, yeah. what are really the biggest uh, that's, challenges with that right now? I, I know don't the think... banking system with cannabis is just yeah. completely messed up right oh, now. Oh, right? challenges just for the industry in general, you mean not for Paragon? Oh yeah, the banking industry is difficult. You know, I don't know what's going to happen because now, well, Bitcoin is considered a currency and Ethereum is not considered a currency to the government. So I think, theoretically, we could start buying weed with Bitcoin and Ethereum and then you don't have to bank it 
Because it's a currency. Right now, like, you can't use um, your credit cards to buy weed at a dispensary. I mean, even though some allow it, uh, you're not supposed to. But who's to blame the dispensary? Like, it's a safe way for them, and it's not deterring customers. It makes it convenient. So they can't bank that really realistically. Um, it seems like this could be a good thing for the cannabis industry. I don't know the, the law on that yet, but if I had a dispensary, I would look into that. Absolutely. It seems like the only real efficient solution is going to be, number one, using cryptocurrencies to purchase yeah. cannabis. And then number two, it would be to have seed to sell tracking oh, in order to maintain the ethics. Absolutely. You want to go to a dispensary and scan a product and say, I want to read the difference between how this was grown and where it was grown or what the lab results were. And if you can scan something and see two smart contracts and read the cultivating contract and read the lab contract, you know that this came from a cultivator who has nothing to do with this lab and this lab has nothing to do with this cultivator. You're reading this information and now you know for yourself versus saying, oh, I, I got this like cannabis candy bar and this packaging says it's CBD and that it's organic and, and I just believe that. You try going to a dispensary here. I went yesterday and I asked the guy like, hey, can you give me an organic pre-roll? And they're like, oh yeah, we have some pre-rolls. What kind of pre-rolls? What, what was the test result for it? Can you show it to me? They knew nothing. They had absolutely no idea. I asked, do you have any THC crystals? They're like, what's that? A crystal? We don't have crystals here. And, and I'm thinking, if I had a real question and I was a real medical patient, you wouldn't be able to help me. So why do I want to trust all of these people if they really don't know what they're talking about? I, I want to just get the real information from the source, not from these people and not from a package that was printed at a factory that printed 10,000 of these packages with the same exact label and there's no way they knew the lab result for it the next month, you know? Absolutely. And it's not just cannabis, it's the wine industry. You yeah, know, all of those can be put on blockchain. Everything, exactly, yeah. and I think it's so important. So now that we know that there's obviously a huge issue and you are the solution with Paragon, obviously, what about your foresight in the future with all of these emerging technologies? You have artificial intelligence, yeah, you have augmented ro reality. Robotics, AI, robotics. yeah. Where do you see the future headed? Well, I think that we have a pretty cool future. Um, I know a lot of people say a lot of jobs will be lost, like truck drivers aren't going to have a job now because you're going to have self-driving cars. But I don't think that that's the case. By the time these self-driving cars start coming, this older generation of truck drivers, maybe it's a little difficult for them to learn code. So they'll retire and get their retirement checks and, and move on. But this younger generation, instead of being a truck driver, if that's what they were interested in, they could just learn to code and now work on programming for these truck selfless driving trucks, work on programming for the routes, work on programming for stops. And um, there's so many other jobs to be created. So I think it's a really positive future for us. And I, I don't like the argument that people say you're taking away jobs. You're just creating new jobs that make people think a little bit more and that's okay. Not a problem. It's like a, de a decade ago, you couldn't have predicted a social media manager position because social media wasn't really there. A valid point. That was created after the fact. Exactly. And it's crazy you bring that up because I had a mastermind at well, my place, and you know, one of the rules is we can't speak about who said what, but mm. somebody of high <laughs> stature who actually has some of the fastest AI and the most efficient AI technology in the world 
he himself is a billionaire. He said that his AI in the next eight years is predicting a 47% unemployment rate due to everything that you mentioned. And two days ago, when I took a Lyft, my Lyft app said, are you okay with a self-driving car? And I said, yes, and we had a self-driving car come pick us up. Oh, that's cool. It was I used to watch amazing. them test around in San Francisco, but I've never been in one. It's so that's efficient. Cool. It, it looks so safe because they actually have the laser technology there for you. And it'll show you the mapping of the roads and everything while you're driving. And, you know, I could definitely see in the next five to ten years every car being, you know, a self-driving car just because it's more efficient. Another fact that came from the mastermind was the thought that if McDonald's had the opportunity right now to automate all of their cashiers, which they're already starting to yeah, do. Yeah, I saw. I went to one on my way here. Right? They would yeah. do that right now with a snap of a finger if they could implement that into all of their stores. Obviously, it takes time because of, you know, funds and stuff, but it all goes back to what you're talking about, you know, and I see a very similar future. I think it's going to be a very interesting future, and um, it's so cool that you're in the field that, in my opinion, is going to become huge because the majority of states don't even have cannabis for recreational use, let alone medical use. I, I mean, the majority have medical use approved, but, recreational. but recreationally, there's going to be a huge industry. So what about the cannabis industry? Would you say that's a great investment in the next five to 10 years as we start to see more states accept it? Because it would naturally create growth and more demand, right? Yeah, there's definitely going to be more growth and more demand. Um, in terms of investment, I don't know. It's uh... Could you be the devil's advocate of why it might not be the best investment? Because I heard well, outdoor farms are definitely taking over indoor yeah, farms. They're definitely taking over. Prices are like... Yeah. The thing is that I feel like a lot of these little companies are going to be bought up in the next few years. Um, and the ones that don't get bought up will probably fall. Um, but I'm also not pro that. It's just that that's what I think will happen. I, if I had my dream world, the way that I would create it is I would say... And I know a lot of people will hate me for this, but no big companies should be able to buy out um, other companies. I mean, in a way that they could, but I would keep it local because I'm such a believer of eating organically and eating healthy and farm to table. And it's difficult to do farm to table when you've when you've got one company just shipping everywhere. It's hard to keep things organic um, and pesticide free. It's much easier when you've got this town grows this amount for this amount of people in the town next door. One, it creates more jobs. Uh, and two, it keeps the product cleaner and healthier and it's fresh. I really like that. Um, so I don't know, I, I hate saying, I don't like telling people, yes, you should invest in cannabis companies because it's gonna make you money because I don't like thinking in that way. I think that if you wanna be a part of a cannabis company, it should be one that you really like and that is close to you and you're passionate about it but the reason I come from that perspective is because I have a team of analysts that literally will just sift through the best projects because as an angel investor I need to know where well to in that case then yeah I you would know? definitely say there's Cannabis a lot of is huge in that case yeah to answer that yeah what are some of the bigger companies in the cannabis industry well one of my favorites is MedMen MedMen yeah they're a dispensary in LA sorry I've got like no, some fun. dust in my eyes 
Uh, I hope you don't think I'm like winking at you. No, it's fine. <laughs> med men. <laughs> just don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anyone, but it's med men. I go there all the time. Um, just I, really, <laughs> I really like med men because they got a cool campaign out right now in, in LA with all their billboards showing. Um, it says stoner and then it like crosses up stoner and it's got a picture of a mom with like a soccer bag. She's a soccer mom. Um, they've got a cool campaign, so they're really changing the image of cannabis and, and a cannabis user. Their dispensary feels clean. It feels like an Apple store. Um, this is a small business. I actually think that they're kind of growing, actually. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap things up, you know, with Paragon, I'm sure some people might want to know where you're at right now with your company and yeah. you know what you guys are working on. So if you can share a little bit of that. Yeah, so right now we're beta testing in our app the smart contracts for cultivation. cultivation. Um, I think that we'll release it in a month. Um, mostly because I, I want everything on the app to not, yeah, I want it to be perfect before releasing it. And then after that, we'll start finalizing the lab profile and the lab smart contracts. That may be two to three more months. And then after that, those are our two smart contracts that we're focused on now. Then the app is open uh, for our Paragonians renting co-working space. Paragonians. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'll show you like our little wallet I custom yeah, made Yeah, creating it. community by... So they would go onto our app here. I can send you pictures too to, yeah, we can, to we'll, give we'll it have there. It up. So they would go here, see what profile I'm in. Okay, yeah, Paragonian. So if you go to your wallet, you'll get like in here, there would be notifications saying, oh, your rent is due at the co-working space. So you would click on it, it would take you to send, and then you can send your payments through here or scan uh, scan whatever emails you want with their QR codes. And you can also request like if your neighbors are requesting payments, but. Wow, that is Do amazing. you like the colors? Yeah, no, I think it's Does great. it feel nice? Yeah, it definitely does. It feels extremely uh, professional. This part will be when you start favoriting. So in here, we'll add, um, we don't have it yet, but it will be a dispensary section. So you'll be able to favorite your dispensaries and you'll also be able to favorite your favorite products in there, but that's going to come when we integrate those dispensaries. I love it. And creating that workspace is going to give you such a collaborative environment. And, oh, yeah. You know, it's always better to have an Avenger team than just to be Superman or Superwoman. Yeah. And I feel like you're creating that. You know? Yeah, our, our co-working space is really cool. We've got great people. I think we've got two writers in there. Obviously, they write for different things, but their main topics are cannabis. And they told me, they said, I don't sell cannabis, but I would love to connect with all of the people at your co-working space. So I said, yeah, come, come work there. So it's not just cannabis growers working from there. It's, uh, it's everyone in the cannabis space and they're all networking. So if anyone wants to be in their co-working space or adopt our blockchain, uh, you can find us at paragoncoin.com. Uh, you can also go to any of our Instagram channels if you're interested in our blockchain go to Paragon chain if you're interested in our co-working space go to um, Paragon space and if you're interested kind of in everything overall go to Paragon coin <laughs> And what about your personal Instagram? Oh As personal a woman boss for yeah all the, for all know, of you ladies out there um, My personal Instagram is Jesper Steg J-E-S-S-B-R-S-T-E-G and uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, we're, we're on all platforms, Medium.